Good morning. Are you somebody who wants to stop drinking? Maybe you've tried in the past and it didn't work. Often people try to stop altogether and they fail many times. Or you're able to stop drinking for, for some time, but you always return back to drinking and wish you didn't. Sometimes people are able to stop drinking or using drugs, but find out that they are not happy at all and is typically very irritable and they're not easy to be around. Some people might even say, I wish you'd go back to drinking. At least I can handle you that way. This is typically called a dry drunk. In other words, you stop the drinking and drugging, but you're miserable and irritable and you're difficult to be around. In my opinion, you might be sober, but you're not in recovery. Recovery is about dealing with the things that drove you to drinking or drugging in the first place. In this broadcast, I want to talk about these things and some about recovery. My name is Roland Martin. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor with Empetiluto TP. I'll provide more information about the services of Empetiluto TP later in the broadcast. We use terms like abstinence, sober, and recovery. To me, abstinence is you are just without your alcohol or drugs. People in jail can have abstinence. They don't have access to their drugs or alcohol. And then sober or sobriety is really more in the movement towards healing and recovery. Being in recovery, to me, is the process of healing. It's not just sobriety, but it's learning how to live a sober life, learning how to acquire a new life, because that's what it's going to take. Sobriety is looking at, talking about, writing about, sitting with, feeling, being with, whatever those uncomfortable emotions, thoughts within us that lead us to drink or drug in the first place. It is recommended to attend treatment to better learn how to do this. In treatment, we learn about the power of asking for help. We learn about the power of acceptance. We learn about the power of healing within the network of sobriety. Addiction is considered a great equalizer. It doesn't matter what race you're from, what level of income you are, where you live. People with addictions have the same patterns and the same experiences within life. Within treatment, people learn how to live sober. They learn how to live a more happier, fulfilling life. Most people who have years of recovery will say, if it wasn't for my addiction, I wouldn't be who I am today. It's not just sobriety that they acquired. It's they acquired a new life, a new way of being. That does bring happiness, peace, security, satisfaction in life, healing direction that is spiritually based. It's good to wake up on a Saturday morning with no hangover, without having spent your money, without having questioning, what did I say or do last night? Saturday morning belongs to them. The whole day of Saturday is theirs to do what they want versus spending your time nursing a hangover that might last into Sunday. Home life greatly improves, finances improve, relationships with a significant other improves. You're having a relationship with your children that they will remember. People in recovery experience this and they do not want to give it up. Often a choice for sobriety is a result of adults looking at their children and doing it for them. Parents want to give their children the greatest chances in this world possible, and that's not going to happen if you're busy drinking and drugging. In fact, that's going to damage them and give them a less chance to be successful in this world. With a description of a dry drunk, somebody who is abstinent but is irritable, easily angered, unhappy with life, not satisfied, they typically are unable to have relationships with family, children, co-workers, are abstaining from alcohol and drugs, but life is pretty much miserable. 
but there I recommend attending treatment or at least a 12-step program where you can learn about the processes of healing and living a life of sobriety where you find peace, comfort, happiness. Living a life of recovery never ends. We are in recovery the rest of our life. And once you go down this path, you're happy with it. You accept it because it's a continual growth process, spiritually based, where you build a strong, stable foundation resulting in a continual maturity process, maturity within the mind, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, and mental maturity. Typically, people's finances improve. They typically acquire their education or else a career path or a profession. All the negative, unwanted behaviors of uh, living a life of addiction, that comes to an end. Through living a life of alcoholism or drug addiction, we typically lose everything. That includes our pride and self-respect. Over time, trust and respect from family and friends typically returns. Trying to achieve and acquire sobriety on your own, some people can do it. Some people can do it successfully, but a lot of people are, are unable to. That's when it's recommended you attend uh, at least a 12-step program or else in treatment. Because without doing this, all of the things inside that led to addiction and behaviors and such are still there. And these things that are still there are typically the difficult things to look at based in abandonment, rejection, guilt, fear, shame, attack, neglect, abuse, etc. And without some type of support network or some kind of help of some source, these things, we are unable to address them, look at them, release them, heal them, because those skills are typically not within us. Through a recovery process, we learn how to let go of these things. Healing is best done within a support network, within a group. Through the process of recovery and healing, we acquire skills such as being able to have an honest look within yourself. This involves learning how to be in the presence, sitting with what is difficult for you to look at within yourself. As far as I'm concerned, that's the heart of healing. we got to be able to see, look at what's within. And then we acquire the skills to express what is within, whatever form it takes, talking in group, writing a letter. And what I think is the most powerful form of healing Sitting with what is difficult within the stillness of the mind. And I've talked a lot about stillness of the mind in previous broadcasts. Through this way, we look at what is difficult without any judgment, without any blame. And we just look at it, feel it. Kind of like we're in a movie house just watching a replay of what is difficult to look at. In the recovery process, we will, you will find your own path of healing, your own red road. You will be validated through the... Uh, the powerful peace you will feel within. People skills, relationship skills, that'll come naturally. Because once you sober up, the, these skills within just naturally develop. You will be able to look back at yourself each year and see the difference within you from the previous year. Because your values will shift and change. Your vision of what is true improves and is validated from within. Here's something from online I drew down about the skills acquired <clears throat> in recovery. They are self-awareness, resilience, emotional regulation, impulse control, empathy, communication skills, problem-solving skills, accountability, stress management, time management, self-care, goal setting, 
social skills, patience, and resilience. These are typical skills developed in people once they go down the path of recovery and sobriety. If you have some curiosity about the 12-step program, and if you're unfamiliar with it, I will briefly explain the 12 steps within the AA recovery process. Step one, we admit we are powerless over alcohol. Recognizing that alcohol controls your life helps in breaking denial. It is the first step towards taking responsibility for one's actions and is crucial for healing to begin. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This step helps in recognizing that recovery isn't just a personal journey, but also involves seeking strength and guidance from a power greater than our own self. It instills hope and opens the door to spiritual support. Step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. This act of surrender reduces the ego and the false sense of control. It is about trusting in something greater than oneself for guidance and strength, which can be very empowering. Step forth made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Conducting a self-assessment helps in identifying negative behaviors and thought patterns. This awareness is essential for change and personal growth, leading to healthier habits and attitudes. Step 5. Admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sharing the inventory with someone else, like a sponsor, Help in facing the truth about oneself. It's a step towards honesty and vulnerability. Crucial for healing and building a trustful relationship. Step 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Acknowledging one's defects and being willing to work on them is commitment to personal growth. It's about taking responsibility for one's character and behavior. Step number seven. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Asking a higher power to help remove these defects symbolizes humility and openness to change. It emphasizes that recovery is a journey that often requires external support and inner strength. Step number eight made a list of all personal persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Identifying those you have harmed encourages accountability and prepares you for making amends. This is important in healing relationships affected by addiction. Number nine may direct amends to those such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Making, making direct amends where possible is a vital in repairing relationships and rectifying past wrongs. It's a step towards rebuilding trust and integrity. Step number 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. 
regular assessing one's behavior and attitudes and promptly admitting mistakes helps in maintaining personal growth. This ongoing reflection is key in preventing relation relapse and fostering long-term recovery. Step number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying for praying only for knowledge of His will for us and a power to carry that out. This step is about maintaining and enhancing one's spiritual connection, which can provide ongoing strength and guidance. It also helps to, in fostering inner peace and focus. Step number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Sharing the recovery journey with others not only reinforces one's own sobriety, but also offers hope and support to those still struggling. This step is about giving back and finding purpose in helping others. If you want more information on the 12 steps, there are plenty of resources online, and I'm sure there's plenty on YouTube. Personally, for me, a 12-step process didn't fit. It's not who I am. For many people, it's not. And for many people, it is. It's a very powerful process for healing and sustaining sobriety. I understand it's a very powerful process of healing that is uh, that typically results in a spiritual experience. Regardless of somebody seeks a formal path of recovery through a treatment process, or if they do it through a self-help group such as AA, what's important to understand is that the process of healing, the highest form of healing, as far as I'm concerned, is within inside you, and it's always been there. It's there now, and it will always be there, waiting for you. This internal spiritual process of awakening is found in cultures around the world throughout time. Some cultures write books on it, like the Middle Eastern people and the Far Eastern people. They have a lot of written material to help support this process of going inward. And some cultures write nothing on this process. I'm talking about the practice of being still, slowing the mind down. In today's therapeutic practices, they call it mindfulness. It's now an evidence-based practice. Regardless of how you want to look at this path of awakening and healing, it's been around since the beginning of time throughout the world. It is found in the natural world view. It's what Native people have been doing forever. Within each one of us is the memory of wholeness, the memory of oneness, the true nature of spirit. The true nature of spirit is in a constant state of peace and happiness. It's only when we get ourselves out of the way that we can experience this. When I say ourselves, I'm talking about the conditioning of the mind that we received through our environment. And in recent history, our environment is pretty toxic with addiction, drug abuse, neglect, abandonment. All of these things that resulted from a, a cultural genocide. It was a cultural genocide with the goal of assimilation. Bring us in the mainstream. The slogan was, kill the Indian, save the man. It was very destructive. It was somewhat effective for many of our people in breaking that 
cultural patterns of behavior that supported the natural world experience where we become aware of that teacher within, aware of the oneness of everything, aware of the spiritual nature of everything. This is a continual, lifelong process of spiritual awakening, spiritual understanding, aligning our vision of ourself, the nature of reality, with what is true. This is the wisdom found from within. It is the strength of the culture. This powerful source of growth is within each one of us. We cannot separate from our source. The best way I can define stillness is within the mind where we let go of all stories of who we are, all memories of who we are, all self-concepts of who we are. Within stillness of the mind, we bring nothing with us of this life we live here, of the human experience. As far as I'm concerned, this is how stillness of the mind is possible. Stillness is about bringing nothing in there. It's quiet. And this occurs when we sit with a difficult memory, a difficult emotion. We are aware of it where it feels in the body. Where is this located? And we just sit with the memory of whatever it is difficult to look at. And while sitting with it, we have no judgment. We don't blame anybody. We don't blame ourselves. We don't blame another. We have no thoughts. Nothing. We just look at the whatever it is that hurts. We may watch it as it unfolds as a memory. This is about bringing what is illusionary to the truth. Both cannot occupy the space in your mind at the same time. It's one or the other. It's like bringing a shadow to light. We support this process of growth and healing through finding in our own way how we spend our time in stillness. This may be walking in nature. This may be riding a horse. This may be sitting in a chair before everybody else wakes up in the house. Just sit, drink a cup of coffee, just be still. It's been said many times in books and such that Crazy Horse spent a majority of his time in nature alone. What happens when you do this? You're pretty much in the moment of now. You're not in the past. You're not in the future. You're right now. Because you're very aware of what's going on in your environment right now. It's always right now. And in the presence of the present moment, the moment of right now, a memory may come to you that is difficult to look at. Well, we let it flow through our mind without judgment, without any concepts of who's right, who's wrong, what I should have done, what should have happened, what I should do next. None of that. We just look at the event. We let it unfold as we watch it without any kind of concept in our head. We just look at it. After a while of doing this, it becomes more easy. And we definitely begin to feel the difference. We begin to feel a shift, a change. As we go through the process of letting go, basically what is illusionary, what's left is the nature of spirit, peace, calm, happiness. Now, we have a lot of stuff accumulated, so it takes some time, but it's a lifelong process of healing. And through this process, validation comes to us. It's very clear. We can definitely feel the change. How we look at ourselves, our environment, our life, all of that begins to shift because we are slowly aligning our vision with truth, with what is true in spirit. And this truth in spirit of oneness cannot be defined through words. It cannot be read. 
It cannot be taught. It can only be experienced within that stillness. It's about becoming aware of what always has been and, and is right now, the nature of your spirit. As I stated earlier, we can never leave our source. And who are we? What power do we have to change what the Creator creates? We can't. But we can deceive ourselves to be something other than our true nature. And that is a state of illusion. And that's possible through a process of perception. We live in a world of perception. We perceive everything. And for the most part, we perceive wrong. But the correction for this is within. This correction occurs within the mind. The mind is of the spiritual realm. The mind and spirit basically are the same thing. The health of the body will follow the mind. Healing is only of the mind because only the mind can get sick. If the body is sick, it's because whatever is in the mind is negative and it affects the body. The body, the body or the physical world is an effect. Causation only exists within the spiritual realm. Our nature is spirit. We're spirit, believing, we're human. And the effects are how we behave, whether we have addiction or not, how we treat each other, how we see ourselves, how we live our lives. If we are not happy with this, we know how to change it. As far as I'm concerned, the highest form of change, of healing, is within the stillness of the mind. When we begin to understand that, we're on our healing path. Sometimes it's something difficult that makes us change. It's the, uh, the unwanted lifestyle of addiction to alcohol and drugs that hurts enough to where we say, I must change. And when you say that, that's when change begins. The healing process can now start. And the greatest healing of all is when we learn to spend time and nurture that stillness within us, within our mind. If you want to hear this broadcast again, go to Spotify. Look under Native Addiction Healing, and this episode will be called A Decision for Healing. At the end of this broadcast, I'll repeat how to find this episode, this broadcast again. My name is Roland Martin. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor with Empetit Lutotipi. The services provided by Empetit Lutotipi are alcohol and drug assessments, DUI, DWI education classes, outpatient groups, aftercare, recovery support groups, medication-assisted treatment, and parenting classes. For more information on these services, contact an office close to you. Our office in Martin is 605-685-6400, Pine Ridge, 605-867-5595, Kyle, 605-455-2331. Wombly, 605-462-6480, and my location in Sweat, 605-685-1582. If you are suffering from the effects of addiction, reach out, give us a call. Everything is very confidential. Again, if you would like to hear this broadcast, go to Spotify. Look under Native Addiction Healing, and the name of this episode will be called A Decision for Healing. This is all I have for today. My name is Roland Martin. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor with Epitizolotipi. Thank you for listening.